Hey, hey, welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And making his return to Horns Up, his basis, marketer, merchandiser, production and operations manager, social media maven, and fellow podcaster, Andy Dowling. Andy, did we miss any of your designations? I think you got most of them covered. I love it. I love it. I'm going to have to get you to put that in writing for me. I'll put that on my LinkedIn profile. That's yeah. Right. You know, I was like, hey, wait, isn't it Lord Andy? We decided this last time on the podcast. Yeah, Lord Andy. That's the salutation. Uh, well, it's good to be back, guys. It's, uh, it's nice to be a return guest. And uh, congrats on the podcast still chugging away and doing lots of great episodes episodes it's really hard to do a podcast so you often see podcasts start and they do a few episodes and then they just disappear but uh, you yeah. guys are going strong so it's uh it's fantastic congrats yeah we yeah. listen to yours so we're learning from the best and, <laughs> and we only we're like half as good as you because we only put out one episode a week huh? <laughs> oh that's right is that how is that how it's calculated okay all right done okay thank you <laughs> So since so since we're dueling on the congratulations, let's begin with some ripe news or, well, news that's almost been in existence for 24 hours. At the time we're recording this, Lord's new album, Undercovers Volume 1, is the number one album on the Australian Independent Record Labels Association's Independent Labels album chart. It's also number seven on the ARIA charts. And since it's now been a considerable amount of time, Andy, has that news finally sunk in? No, it hasn't. Uh, so <laughs> literally, so last week we were told, we were given a little bit of a hint and said, oh, you guys might get in the top 15 for the ARIA, ARIA chart. So just for people that don't understand, the ARIAs are the main, uh, the main music charts in Australia. They're the mainstream music charts. And there's certain categories. So the one, the chance that we're in is for Australian artists that have released albums. And so we were told that we're going to be in the top 15, but they wouldn't tell us where. They just said more than likely you'll be in the top 15. And I thought, oh, this is great. We didn't even expect to be anywhere in the charts. So we're waiting. And then Friday afternoon at 5 p.m., they released the charts and we were number seven. And the first thing that came into my mind was, I've got work to do. You know, <laughs> I've, 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 got, I've got to start. I've got to start getting the PR machine out. I've got, to, I've got to start, you know, yeah. I've got to start hustling, you know, and uh, it's been like that ever since. And so since then, um, as you mentioned, uh, yesterday um, we were informed that we hit number one for independent artists because we're completely independent. We're not on a, on, a, on a label of any sort. And that's fantastic. And then one interesting thing, which I'm not really promoting too much because it confuses people, but I'll give a bit of context because it is quite impressive. We found out that we were number 54 in the, overall aria charts which includes all international artists uh, and so i think above us i think on at number 50 is post malone and then i think two spots below us is the new foo fighters album um, and then there's like the bgs there's there's a bunch of reissues that like uh, yeah, for whatever I, reason the beatles albums are still selling and it's just like but we, I, we're I in there number 54 on your social media post your mom commented so i'm pretty sure she's like really <laughs> proud of you like you're outselling <laughs> yeah. the beatles Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. So for us, it's just, it's, it's so surreal and uh, I, it hasn't sunk in. I think at the moment there's so many things on the go now because we didn't expect any of this to happen. We just thought we're going to put a covers album out. It's, we've been dealing with COVID for the past 12 months. Um, we don't know what to do. All the plans that we had were thrown out the window. Um, so let's just do a covers album to keep something moving. And it was just going to be a bit of fun. 
and we didn't expect this reaction at all. So over the past few days, we've been scrambling to basically rework our plans. What can we do to capitalise on this and keep keep the whole thing moving? So I'm, uh, as I said before, I'm just I'm in total PR mode. So it's fun because it's what I love doing. So, uh, but later on, I'll I'll sit back, I'll have a few beers, and I'll let it sink in, and I'll probably have a tear in my eye or something like that. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's important, right? Because you're sometimes so much in the hustle mode of sorts, you just never kind of sit back and uh, let it uh, sink in. But yeah. I must say now, since this is your second time on the charts, right? It's nothing new for you guys. Because when we spoke about Fallen Idols, you also had charted at that time. But yes. I must ask you at this point, because this is something that's not so fresh, but it happened when you all put out your first single for Uncovered. And I think you know where I'm going with this, but mm. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's a bigger accomplishment? Getting on the charts or getting Darren Hayes of Savage Garden to acknowledge comment and actually share the cover of moon and back um well it's hard because they're 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 both pretty pretty damn cool and they both um come with different consequences like different results i uh, think different things happen as a result of those two things um i think i think overall the chart position is is definitely sort of that's a that's a childhood dream like when you first start playing music and you're like oh i can imagine like being so popular that you enter the charts you become famous blah 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 and it's not quite like that in reality but it's still pretty cool so it's a bit of a childhood uh tick of the box there which is which is really good the darren thing wow hey that's like it's that is surreal because i grew up listening to savage garden as a as a young kid when that first album came out and I was still getting into music and I, and I loved a lot of pop music and that was an album and a song in particular that I really, really loved. And so who would have known at the time, many, many years later, I would be playing on a cover song and the man himself would, would sing our praises. And funnily enough, about half an hour before we started recording this, I was messaging Darren because I'm trying to get him to give me a little bit of, a little bit more social media love, but I wanted to tell him about the, the chart placing. So I thought he'd, you know, he'd be, he'd be uh, at least, at the very least, amused by it. Mm. And uh, he just said, he said, congratulations, that's so awesome. He goes, what can I do? And I'm just wow. like, what do you mean, what, what, can, what can you do? And I'm like, okay, I've got to, I've got to calm down here because I could give him a list of 50 things that he could do for me. But I just said, look, a bit of social media love. So he's retweeted something just before for me, which is good. And, uh, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what else comes of it. But um, it looks like we've, we've formed a bit of a friend there in, uh, in a very high place, which is incredible. So very, yeah. very cool. That, that's kind of awesome because uh, yeah. I don't know about Anumesh, but I remember listening to that album and it was like the rage. It was all over like the television, radio, everywhere. So it's kind of hard to get away from even in India, right? <laughs> immediately, the, yeah, immediately the opportunist in me is going like, okay, uh, this is a live gig surprise thing. And now presenting <laughs> on vocals just for you guys. <laughs> Here's Darren <laughs> Hey, never say never. Crazier things have happened. And as, as the last few weeks, a lot of crazy things have happened that I would never expect to have happened. So it's, uh, it's really, really weird. But, um, you know, like just on Savage Garden alone, it's funny because I think we're all a similar age. And so I think we all sort of grew up with this era of music. And so yeah. what I've found is very similar to what happened with Colin Minogue in a way when we did the, co the cover for Colin Minogue about 10 years ago. You've got a lot of metalheads 
that probably wouldn't actively admit that they like a lot of pop music. And in, Savage Garden hits a nerve a little bit more because many of our sort of age group metalheads grew up with a lot of pop like Savage Garden. And so part of them are like, I don't want to admit that I like Savage Garden, but this is really cool. And so they're trying to find ways to justify going, oh, well, it's, it's better now because it's a metal band playing the song, you know, but I didn't know. And so <laughs> it, just whatever they can do to maintain their, you know, their metal cred, um, street cred. But it's uh, it's been really cool. It's, it's We just picked the right song at the right time and just it, we're so happy that it's it's managed to be received so well. And um, and we're still doing more. We've got another, well, if everything goes to plan, we've got another announcement tonight um, just to keep this whole thing moving, which I literally the idea came out of my ass about 24 hours ago. We managed <laughs> to go from zero to something. So that that potential will happen tonight. And then uh, we're working on something a little bit bigger that will hopefully come out in the next few weeks as well. But um, it's all off the back of this stuff. So it's awesome. It's fun. So, yeah. so I, at this point, I want to again put you on the spot, right? Because mm. uh, like I mentioned earlier, this is the second time uh, Lord is getting charted why do you think the album is performing on the charts the way it is i mean is there a secret sauce and can you share <laughs> um i think i think from the covers point of view it's very obvious that there's a novelty of a metal band playing a bunch of cover songs i think just i mean it's it's an easy there's a bit of low-hanging fruit there for a term that, that we often use it's, it's it's an easy win um but i think that what has made this extra special is that um, we're an Australian band covering a lot of Australian artists, um, popular Australian artists, including a lot of metal stuff as well. Um, but we've got a bit of a legacy. So we've got, you know, an existing fan base who are coming along for the ride and they've helped us build that momentum. Um, and, and then obviously the extra things that were unexpected, like Darren giving us the, the public nod of approval uh, for, the, for the Savage Garden cover and things like that. And it sort of became a chain reaction. More and more people started to find out about it and the swell just kept getting bigger and bigger um so um that's kind of what happened with with undercovers but even with fallen idols what we found is that it's just a different game these days to what it was 20 years ago um you know people don't sell as much music as they used to and so the way that the the charts are calculated at least in australia and i don't know exactly how it works but it's a it's a mixture of online sales through through a retailer that's registered with the in our country aria the aria charts um it's also streams um i believe it may be radio airplay as well i think there might be a calculation or something that's that's fed into that uh, algorithm or whatever it might be and then they come out with the results but what we found is that the the what, what would you call it like the the barrier to entry mm. is actually a lot easier than a lot of bands realize and right. um, I think there's a lot of things that bands can do that they're not doing at the moment. And just from my side, now being on the other side of the fence, I'm looking at going, well, there actually is a very clear path here. It does take a lot of work, but it's not impossible. And there are, there are zero gatekeepers. Um, you can actually make this happen. And, uh, and so I think, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe that, uh, that entrepreneur start, side of me, I might have to release a book sometime, an <laughs> instruction manual of how to, how to make it into the ARIA charts. But um, Look, I think I think we've just been lucky. We we obviously we've got the music, which helps. Um, we've got the legacy of the band and, and our existing fan base, so we've already got a head start. Um, and I think just um, a lot of grassroots people power and getting people behind us and backing us. And like I've been hands on for the past eight weeks, 
um, yeah. talking about the lead up for the release, the pre-order period, the single, now the album's out um, and it's not slowing down at all. So um, it's been kind of a full-time gig for me just doing this. So it just comes down to what sort of dedication people have. But um, it's it's very it's very positive for me. It's, it's, um, I'm very optimistic about the future of music, at least here in Australia, because I've just seen what the possibilities are. Like it's, 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 it's far clearer to me now than it was you know, a couple of years ago. So um, yeah, exciting. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So uh, let's talk more about undercovers. And of course we'll try and steer away from the usual questions of the stories behind the songs, da 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 because your podcast with Lord Tim covers those topics really really well and of course there's all that additional audio content which you get right which kind of covers that aspect so Mm. um first because i just brought it up can you just plug that specific episode as to where people can find that conversation if they want to listen to that kind of conversation so thank you guys um yeah so two uh, 275 of my podcast the anti-social podcast and uh and what it is, is uh, Tim, so Lord Tim and our band and myself, we sat down and had a conversation, which we initially thought would just go for an hour. And we would just go through each of the tracks on the covers album and just talk about the stories and go back and forth. And, you know, we hadn't actually caught up for a long time either. So it was, it was a bit of a novelty for us just to be talking. Like we've just been texting and on group chats and things like that for the past 12 months or so. We haven't actually had a conversation. We haven't been in the same room for a since July 2019, I was just, uh, it's, it's a very weird thing. Wow. But, um, so it was a bit of catching up to do, but we, we really focused on the album and, and going through the songs. And before we knew it, we spoke for two hours. And so Tim's like, oh, geez, okay, this is not what I, what I was hoping to do, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, we've got it. So what do we do with it? So we decided to split, uh, just to chop it down to one hour for my podcast. So you can listen to half of it. It's not quite half. We just chopped out some songs in between. Um, and that's on my podcast, but on our Bandcamp page, which is the main sort of place that um, we're selling all of our music, um, you can get whatever you buy that relates to Undercovers, you'll get a digital download of the album. So there's merch, there's CDs, and there's all sorts of stuff, but um, you always get a digital download, and the digital download will have all 23 cover songs, um, and it will also have the full two-plus hours of Tim and I waffling on telling silly stories about all the songs from the covers album and uh and i enjoy listening to it um even though you know it's my voice and i'm kind of like oh it's kind of a bit weird but um just to reminisce and reflect on the stories there's a lot of great memories from over the years and so i've got a lot out of it just going through that process but um it appears a lot of people really enjoy it as well so uh it's a little bit of extra value add as well i think um you know i'm sure we'll talk about it as we go but um, we want to make as much of it exclusive to Bandcamp as possible um, instead of just the usual thing that bands do, just make everything available on streaming platforms and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, it's gone really well. Cool, fantastic. Some of those points we'll be discussing a lot more because uh, I really want to try and analyze Undercovers Volume 1 through a business or a money kind of a lens, if that's all right. Sure. Yeah, okay, definitely. So first question, and allow me to set this one up a bit. I've played covers with a band. So have various other people who've played covers in a band who've performed covers for a live crowd. Uh, some of them, including us, we've gone on and we've recorded covers for tribute albums or something of that sort. And we didn't really secure rights or permissions or licenses or anything of that sort. While producing a TV show, I learned that even though you don't feature a lot of the covers that are going to be filmed or something of that sort, 
our legal teams made sure to get licenses and approval forms from the labels. Now, yep. while planning a covers album that's actually going to be released and sold, um, or like you know, with all your compilation of covers through the years itself, do you guys have to secure rights or licenses to the songs, or are there any legal hurdles that you guys have to face? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few licenses that we have to have to secure. Um, and okay. one of the things that we found out very quickly is, well, it's quite funny thinking about this now because when we committed to the project and started to just put everything together, uh, we realised really quickly that this might have been the worst decision that we could possibly make. Like, this is not financially viable. This is a okay. complete time waster. Um, and we don't even know whether people are actually going to care about this yeah. release. So... There's a lot of there's a lot of licensing that you have to do um, based on how you are uh, prepared to release it. So part of this is we did a like a limited edition CD run with chat, only had a few tracks. Originally we we're going to do a double CD with everything on there, but we realised that the licensing to have 23 tracks across two CDs um, and then printed by X amount, selling it at whatever cost. There's always calculations that they work it out. The fees were just crazy, and we had no confidence that we'd be able to sell that many CDs to recoup the costs, let alone hopefully make some sort of profit out of it. Um, so we decided to scale it back and only put um, eight, eight songs, only eight songs. And we, we made it limited edition. We hand numbered the CDs just to make it a bit of a collector's item that you can put on, on, your, on your shelf. And, um, and that still cost a little bit of money. That wasn't too bad. But then we also had to secure digital licenses as well for it to go on streaming platforms. And there was a lot of unique sort of licensing codes that we had to do for every single song. We had to, um, I'm sure this is probably common ground for a lot of, lot of artists out there, but um, just understanding all the publishing, all the songwriting cr uh, credentials for every single song um, and making sure they're logged properly with, uh, uh, we've got a music organisation here called APRA in MCOS and they sort of register all the songwriting royalties and make sure that fees are dispersed to songwriters and publishers. So we had to make sure that that was all registered with them. So a lot of paperwork um, and it, I wouldn't say that it was super expensive, but it was enough money where it could potentially become annoying, and especially when we had no confidence that this was, we just thought it was just going to be something that we will sell. A few people, like our core fans might buy it, um, but then it might just sit like on my shelves down here with a bunch of my other uh, Lord merchandise and stuff like that, and eventually we'll sell a few more at gigs and things like that. But um, obviously it's, it's worked out really well. Um, so, yes, um, and it, it's important to do it because I think what we've learned over the years is that, as recording artists ourselves and songwriters, we're all registered with these um, organisations. And so what we hope maybe one day is that some amazing artist out there who's got a huge following will decide to cover one of our songs and we may reap the benefits <laughs> of that. And and it's for us, it's like it's just doing the right thing. Um, you know, we would hate to be on the other side of it where we see somebody um, taking advantage of a song that we've put our blood, sweat and tears into and we don't see any of that credit or or financial you know reward or you know, yeah. whatever that might be so um i i wouldn't i wouldn't scare people away from it there is but there is a bit of a process to it and it's not just a case and i think many years ago you probably could get away with it a bit more i don't think there's as much uh, there's much regulation around it but these days it's 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 getting harder and harder just to slip through the cracks and just put a random cover song out and just cross your fingers and hope that it's going to be okay uh so so yeah it um I just, I just remember like at the start of this process and Tim in particular was just going, this is the worst idea we possibly could have done. Why did we bother doing this? We should have just like, we should have just 
I don't know, written a couple of new songs and put another EP out or something like that. This is just, this is crazy. And luckily we persevered through it. Yeah. So, you know, since we're talking formats, right? Uh, yep. Something we found super interesting is that, you know, you had 23 songs that were only purchased through Bandcamp. You've got yep. the CD, vinyl and other formats, which, you know, we get the, the space restriction. So there'll be the eight tracks. But why limit streaming platforms to 11 songs? What's the rationale behind that? Is there like separate licensing fees? Yeah, there is. Um, there is okay. to do that, to put them on streaming services. But that wasn't a big issue. I think for us, it was a strategic move. And my knee-jerk reaction was to say, really, I just want to piss off as many people as possible. Like, I just want to, I just want to get people, <laughs> people upset. It's It's been a really good talking point for us, if anything. And I, I didn't quite think about it this way until we actually started to promote it and put it out there. But the whole point for us, and we learned quite a while ago when we moved over to Bandcamp, is that and Bandcamp should be paying me some money for this because I'm, I'm just going to be promoting them all the time. But um, <laughs> they they are, in my opinion, the best e-commerce platform for musicians I in the agree. world. There is yeah. nothing that comes near them. Um, there are other e-commerce platforms out there that may be cheaper. They might have you know a smaller fees, but they don't specialise in music and have the tools and the resources that Bandcamp has. Um, we learned really quickly how valuable this platform is for us. The fact that just alone that people can put like we will set like a CD, we'll sell a CD for 20 Australian dollars and a hardcore fan of ours will go, well, I value that more than $20. So I'm going to give you $50. And we just go, why would you give us $50 for the CD? And it's like, well, I'm allowed to, I've been given the opportunity to, and I'll give you more. It's like giving someone a tip. And that straight away was like, this is a game changer for us. And we started to see that music fans aren't actually cheap and don't want everything for free. They actually want to support artists. So that alone and i think also with bandcamp being integrated into australian music charts and i'm sure they've got a similar sort of thing set up in other markets around the world as well um and a number of other things that they've got in in the back back end that are really really handy and, and helpful with um pre-releasing um setting up campaigns having a nice easy user face so people can walk, walk through the releases and see the accompanied um apparel and merchandise um, and a lot of people are familiar with it. It's a popular platform. So you want to go where people are familiar. You don't want people to go somewhere new where they have to sign up to a new thing and they don't know it because it's, you're just going to lose people straight away. So long, long explanation, but all these reasons, we just kept saying we need to keep bringing people back to Bandcamp all the time. And it doesn't matter how popular Spotify is or Apple Music or any of the other uh, streaming platforms are. They're great. But instead of putting all of our eggs in one basket, we're going to use streaming the streaming platforms as as an advertisement platform. They're, it's a it's a way, it's a teaser. It's a way to sort of get a taste of what the band's all about. And if they want more, then they can they can cross cross the the, the chasm and come come into Bandcamp, and we can reward them with exclusive stuff that you can't get anywhere else. And um, and it's it's still a bit of a new experiment for us, but we've seen that this has worked really really well. And um, some of the stuff that we've got in the pipeline again, um, will not be on streaming services. It'll be exclusive to Bandcamp and, um, and your casual music fans will be upset about that. I've already had people like going, this is ridiculous. You're talking about a 23 track album and I've only got 11 in front of me. What's, what's the go? Or um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, I always buy my albums through Amazon and I can only get 11 tracks. This is, this is bullshit. And I'm like, well, sorry, but yeah. go to Bandcamp. <laughs> like it's pretty simple. Like, so um, and it's just a case of just, you know, 
you, you eventually see people's behaviour change. And I'm hoping a bunch of other bands sort of jump on the bandwagon and do something similar and just really have a hub where you can take care of your fans and go, look, if you come to us and stay with us, we'll, we'll reward you. We'll give you we'll give you things that no one else can get. You can't just go and click on a, an artist page on, on the streaming services and just expect to get everything straight away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So since we're talking Bandcamp, what's the highest someone's forked up for Undercovers Volume 1? um uh it's been nothing nothing crazy i think i think um i think someone because the way we've been doing it is we've got the digital so the digital only yeah and then i made a decision that i wasn't going to sell cds on their own so you had to get a cd and a t-shirt together which once again a couple people out there weren't too happy about that but most people agreed and they were happy enough um so with the digital album i think someone paid 50 dollars for the digital album which was which was wow. really nice so uh, i think you know i mean there's, there's a lot of content in there, but it's still a lot of money to pay for digital files when, you know, we're, we're so used to just getting things for free. Um, and then the T-shirt and the CD pack, I think, um, oh, I don't know, we are selling it for about 35 Australian dollars and I think someone paid double and, and that, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, most people yeah. we find give us like, you know, $1 or $2 extra on top, which might seem like nothing, but when you get a lot of people doing that, it's just, it's unexpected yeah. extra income for the band. It's, it's super cool. So it's just, it's nice that, we don't have to ask people. We just give them the opportunity to make that decision themselves. We just say, look, this is what it costs, but there is an option here. Hey, if you want to sling us a couple of extra dollars, then by all means, we're not going to say no. And we don't have to have that awkward conversation with them either. Hmm. Okay. And, and since you have the data for it, uh, any countries that are purchasing the album that really surprised you? Like, have you got to buy from, I don't know, Iceland? <laughs> no, not, not not yet we, we might have to target uh, target iceland yeah um i'm just trying to think of surprises i mean the u.s for us is probably the second biggest market after australia um and then it no. goes to germany um oh, i'm just trying to think of um actually one one country that is always stuck around but i've, I've seen a, a decent spike is switzerland um, we get a lot of people from Switzerland now, and I don't know whether it's just this collection of like a very small group of, of fans that we've had in Switzerland for years. We've never played there. We'd love to go there. Um, but for whatever reason, they've, they've followed us and support us for, for quite a few years. And I don't know if they're just out there telling all their friends, but there's more and more people from Switzerland that are, that are signing up and buying our merch and paying like crazy prices for, for stuff to be shipped to the other side of the world. And, and that's, that's, that's really cool. Cause I mean, I know Switzerland's, that, you know, they, they definitely love their metal and their rock, um, but it is a small country in comparison to the rest of the world. And just to see to see that sort of reaction is really cool. Like I had an email last night, in fact, from some random person in Switzerland, never connected with before, and just said, uh, tell me every album that you have. I want to buy them all and tell me how much shipping is to Switzerland. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like, talk about making me work. I mean, it's a good <laughs> problem to have. But I'm, I've gone through my shelves, I've gone through my list, going, okay, I'm this, 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 okay, this is out of stock, don't worry about that. And so I'm doing these calculations and we're back and forth on email and and I've got to go to the post office later on and ship out a big bloody order to Switzerland. And it's just, it's fantastic. So, so there you go. Excellent. Okay, next question. Uh, how did you guys end up selecting the Prime 8 for the CD and the 11 for Apple Music or other streaming platforms? Was the selection a result of any data-backed decisions? Like I'm imagining the three of you pouring over data that goes like, okay, guys who listen to Wasp don't buy CDs anymore, but guys who listen to Kylie Minogue do. <laughs> so, just imagine we're all around like a whiteboard, just like, you know, with the glasses on going, okay, calculations. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it wasn't that analytical. 
Um, however, um, I think with the CD in particular, actually, no, CD and streaming, we wanted to pick the songs that had the best production. So stuff that um, in the, for the most part was recorded sort of in more recent years um, or songs that were recorded in an album session where we already had everything sort of set up. Because what you'll find with a lot of the, the other tracks, they're either live songs or um, uh, like bootleggy kind of live songs or it'll be um, studio tests. So we used to do a lot of studio testing. So we'd use, we'd record a cover in the studio just to test the equipment before we go in and record an album. So they're, they're a bit rough around the edges. The mixes aren't great. Um, so there's a, there's a bunch of covers like that, all rush jobs, like ones that we just recorded really, really quickly and we just didn't have time to polish them up. So we left them on the band camp. Uh, and I think for most listeners, you'll never hear the difference. It's just us. Like we, we, we just know the stories behind it. We're like, oh, I don't know if that's going to be the best place for them to go. So we just made sure that ones that we were the most happy, happy with from a production point of view. And I think there's also a combination of what was going to be best known by the majority of people as well. Um, so like we've we covered Queen's Reich, uh, the Whisper, which for me I, I love it. It's so good. It's one of my favorite. It's from one of my favorite Queen's Reich albums, um, and for me, I would have loved to have shared that like from Spotify and, and get all the Queen's Reich fans going nuts. But I knew that that song, in the grand scheme of things, probably wouldn't have the same punch as you know Priest or or Iron Maiden or some of the Aussie guys as well. Um, and we also made the decision to change the track listing, which you, which you said, uh, yeah. from streaming and CD. And I think, I mean, Tim, Tim ended up making this decision, but I'm pretty sure, I don't think there was too much, I don't think there was too much science behind it. I think it was more of a case of let's just mix it all up. So if, you, if you're getting streaming, you get this. If you get the CD, you get this. If you're going to get Bandcamp, you get everything. Um, and just try to make everything slightly unique again along the way in the end you're all getting the same songs in some different way or another um but just to try and make everything just a little bit individual um along the way so and and once again a few people out there too confused don't understand it having a little bit of a, a whinge about it but uh that's okay they're the minority most people are pretty pretty pumped and happy about it yeah like you're talking about most people i'm going to tell you what i felt last night while i was looking it up i go to the website and i see 46 tracks and i was like Wait, did Curtis do something wrong by sending me only 23? And then I like, I'm like, okay, I'm a bit sleepy. Or I haven't read this properly. There's intro tracks. I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's why it's Bandcamp exclusive. But uh, and, and also just really quickly on that. Uh, so we were thinking about having that two hour podcast separate. So it would just be, mm -hmm. you would download the 23 tracks in order and then you would have it separate. But then we thought, because we're talking about these songs song after song, we thought it might be more powerful that people could actually hear the story, hear the song, and then just do that in that order. So then people start to appreciate the individual tracks a little bit more. You hear the commentary. And, and I could imagine, like, especially for me being a music fan, I think my initial reaction might be, Ugh, like, it's a bit annoying. Like, I just want to listen to the, I just want to listen to the album. I don't <laughs> want to listen to all this talking in between. This is annoying. But I guess, you know, in the end, you can, you can sort of make your own playlist and, and get rid of all that waffling. Yeah, this is like the director's commentary along with it or something. Yeah, that's right. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, having done all of this, right, and now you're looking at some of the data a week, 10, uh, 10 days post-release, yep. I have to ask you, do, at this point, you know, doing a covers album, did it prove to be more of a financial 
challenge than the original studio album? If you had to record one, why and why not? Um, the good thing about the covers album was that a lot of it was done over the years. So we didn't have to just go in and say, hey, we're going to record 23 tracks. Um, there were two songs in particular, which was the Savage Garden track and uh, the Judas Priest cover of Reckless that we recorded more recently for the purpose of this release. Um, but everything else was more, I mean, we still had to put time in because we had to go and remaster, remix everything to make sure that there's some sort of consistency across the release uh, from a sound perspective. Um, so the money side of that traditionally, like going to the studio, studio time and all that sort of stuff, we didn't have to worry about that as much. And I think the time invested to get it together was far less than Fallen Idols. So I think from that perspective, Fallen Idols was far more of a financial sort of uphill battle to get get it all together, the time, the resources and, and the cost. Um, I think with Undercovers, the... It, it's in it's relative to what the what the type of release is because undercovers was an absolute pain in the context of something that we thought was going to be very easy and we could just slap it together and we realized it wasn't and i think if we had the same amount of paperwork and headache with fallen idols we probably wouldn't have noticed it as much because we already had all this other paperwork and headache that we had to do to try and get this entire album together from nothing to something so i think fallen idols is definitely a more difficult thing to put together and what we're noticing now is We've got some ideas for, an, for another album. Um, we haven't quite started demoing yet, but we already know it's going to be like a painful exercise. It's never easy getting, getting music together. And we're happy when it's done, but Tim's ready to like quit life by the end of it. He's just like, I don't want to hear this, <laughs> anything from this band ever again, especially this album. I don't want to talk to you guys. It's like, all right, give him some space for a few weeks. He'll calm down. We'll be fine. But um, yeah, so I think studio albums, original music is... In the grand scheme of things, it's, it's a tougher a tougher task and financially a, more of a commitment. All right. So this is the point where, you know, we want all the bands to kind of focus or pay attention to the marketing because in today's time, you know, it's just as important to, you know, ensure that the band markets its product, right? Yes. Uh, so what's your marketing mix like? I mean, which platforms do you spend more money or your time on and what's working for you? Yeah, uh, we spent no money on social media at all. Um, I've I made the decision this time around, and I think maybe maybe it was a mistake to make um, because I just underestimated this release, and I just thought, you know what, we're going to keep money low, we're going to keep the budget really low. Um, and but I think I think in hindsight, it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference. So I, I know like sort of boosted posts and and Facebook advertising can be really hit and miss, um, and more than often miss. Um, it's really, really tough to sort of um, get those things to work, and you need the right kind of content to make it to make it really successful. Um, who knows? Now I might, I might actually now that now that this is a topic in my mind that's been put in my mind. Thanks, Peter. I'm gonna, gonna go away and probably drop <laughs> some coin on a on a Facebook Facebook ad for something. But anyway, I'll, I'll come back to that one later. Right. Well, um, at, least, <laughs> at least I'm hoping you don't join TikTok and you have like someone. No, no, no. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't quite got there yet, but look, never say never. I've got to keep an open mind to think. That's what Darrenese can do. Oh, that, <laughs> there's it. There you go. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, all right. I know what I'm doing after this chat. I'm going to go and send him a message on Twitter again. Oh, Darren, you mentioned before. What can you do to help? Okay. TikTok. Um, but yeah, we've, we haven't spent any money on, on the platforms. And a big thing, I guess, maybe it's an advantage because I've been doing it for so many years. I've 
got a lot of I've, myself. I've got a lot of great organic reach across the platforms, and the band has relatively good uh, reach as well. And I think I've just really sort of lent into the style of the platform and played to its preference rather than me trying to, like you see a lot of bands, they use one of those third-party apps where they'll just post the content in there and it automatically distributes it across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And it just, you can see that it doesn't translate properly. It doesn't work. Yeah. The messaging doesn't work because it's not the purpose of the platform changes every single time. So um, obviously Facebook, there's a lot of good reach. You can write a little bit more and you can be a little bit more storytelling. And so that works really well. Um, Twitter is a lot more sort of comments and quick firing things. And so you can make a few statements and just tweet some stuff out and retweet stuff and be interactive, a little bit more engaging. Um, and Instagram is obviously a very visual thing. And it's it's fantastic that you can share uh, Spotify tracks and Apple Music tracks into the Insta stories and share a lot of those posts. And you can work out ways to sort of get people to share each other's posts in, in a really sort of constructive way. Um, but for me, like it doesn't, it's not terribly interesting. It's very basic, organic, grassroots, manual, tedious, direct messaging, engagement, replying to every single comment, uh, liking and love hearting and retweeting and all that sort of stuff to make sure that when people make the effort to engage with us, that we return the favour to them. Um, and that's been a massive, a massive advantage for us to, to be able to get word out and make people feel like excited about what we're doing. Like it's not, part of me just thinks why would you care about what we do i mean you might like a couple of songs here and there but why would you make the effort to share our music around to other people and then you realize that you get excited like you and if you feel like you're part of it and you're you're helping to make this thing bigger than what it is then people feel motivated to want to retweet something or to share it or comment or whatever it might be and you don't have to sort of just plead and ask oh can you please share this or whatever it might be so a lot of it's been just very organic stuff um, and um, it's, it's, worked, it's worked really well. Um, and then apart from that, just from a marketing perspective, um, obviously from a PR um, point of view, yes, you mentioned before, Curtis, Curtis Dewar, um, he's helped us with a bit of the international PR stuff. Um, a lot of the local stuff I've more or less handled myself just due to knowing the market and knowing the contacts and that's, that's certainly helped. And a lot of getting fearless like not worrying about what people like people saying no and i'm hitting people up directly that are in you know higher places people that have got a little bit of a reputation and just saying hey have you heard this like i've gone through all the artists who are somewhat active on social media um that we've covered on the album and i've, I've messaged them all and or sent emails wow. through to their management and i've just said just a heads up like if you're interested in you 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 want a bit of a laugh like here's this we're a heavy metal band from from australia and we've covered your song now have a listen to it um and then i followed up and said oh by the way we're potentially going to be in the top 15 for the arias and then i followed up again and said just an update we're number seven and number one and so that's what i was doing this morning and just circling back and some people are coming back and saying hey well done and i'm, I'm thinking did you listen to it are you going to share something is something more <laughs> but but the fact that they've come back and acknowledged that's really cool so um i'm just i'm just there's a lot of this is like not having any fear and just being, just just getting out there and just, just trying it, just messaging people and saying, hey, just if you're interested, here's some stuff, here's some information, we're thinking of you and and just go from there. So uh, it's, it's uh, I guess it's not, there's not, there's not a lot of science behind it. It's just a lot of, a lot of grit. Yeah. But one thing I've noticed and you've been posting quite a bit of it recently is the Lord Facebook page has a bit of organic traffic that keeps coming in from people who are Christian, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
what's the crossover of Christians to you know heavy metal fans who end up liking the band? <laughs> Look, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't know how many of these like. I, I mean, I, I, we haven't done a poll across our our fan base about what what their faith is if they have if they've got one. I mean, we, I think. Um, one of the craziest things we've ever done is called the band Lord. I mean, it's just, you know, talk about it's the hardest <laughs> band to search for on the internet. I mean, there's a number of other bands. You've got Lord from New Zealand with the E on the end. You've got Lordy in Finland. You've got Lord from Hungary, which are the biggest nightmare for us. I mean, fantastic music, amazing bands. They've been around since the 70s, but the amount of Hungarian people that message us saying, can you please, like, dedicate this song to my son or my daughter or whatever, I'm like, can you see that we look nothing like these aging rockers <laughs> that sing in Hungarian? We're a heavy metal band. Like, we there's nothing, there's nothing even similar apart from the name. So anyway, we get a lot of that. But um, yes, we, I think <laughs> we get a lot of people from Southeast Asia. Um, like, so in Indonesia, Malaysia, um, I think Vietnam, oh no, Philippines, sorry. Um, and also in parts of Africa as well, um, where I don't know if they're just getting used to Facebook. They don't understand how it works, but they're tagging Lord in, in these prayer services they're like doing tributes to people and talking about God and they tag us in it. And it's an absolute nightmare. I've got to keep going in and removing the tags all the time because they just keep showing from the feed. However, sometimes you get some really funny ones. And for me, from a marketing point of view, it's great content. So mm. every once in a while, if people are following me, I might do it on my Insta story sometimes because sometimes it's just easy to do it through mine rather than the band. And I'll just share like weird direct messages that we get from people, just odd stuff. Yeah. So people message you through <laughs> and thinking that they're actually speaking to God. And we're just like, what? What is this? Like, are you are you crazy? Like, yeah. maybe they are. So, it, it it does make good content. So we try to we try to embrace the humor of it rather than being frustrated. Because I mean, in the end, we pick the band name. I mean, we we deserve we deserve the hassle because it's just it's such a problematic name. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, now, since we're talking marketing, I must say that a covers album itself is a bloody great way to market the band and yep. introduce the band to a new audience. So what's the probability for someone to listen to a cover of a Savage Garden song and discover the band through that route versus discovering the band through its original music? Uh, where do you stand on that? Is it completely different audiences? Yeah, it, I, I think, so a good example is the Kylie Minogue track that we put out about 10 years ago. Um, and we did it just purely as a joke. You know, and it wasn't because we were being strategic or anything. We just thought we could do, we think we could do a good version of this and we think people would think it was funny. Um, and it went so well. And even to this day, like I just did a, I did an interview yesterday for, for Monica Strutt, who um, is a, is now a, a journalist for Maniacs magazine in, yeah. in Australia. There's like fantastic, uh, you know, zine. And she admitted, she has, she discovered us from the Kylie Minogue cover. And, wow. and this story has just been repetitive, like over the past 10 years, we have, we, our fan base has grown considerably from, from that song alone. Um, and it makes me think, cause at times I thought it's kind of like candy, like you can't have too much of it. And sometimes you attract the wrong things. And so if you, if you put covers out there, you might get a lot of attention, but the people that will find that interesting and exciting aren't the people that usually will stick around and are music mm. enthusiasts or people that are really passionate about music, but we've been proven otherwise. Um, we've, we've had a lot of music fans that just haven't never had the chance to listen to us or seen the name and just, yeah, haven't bothered to, to click on a song. And finally, here's the reason to be curious. And as a result, they like it. 
then they they start their journey. And um, I'm I'm quietly confident. I mean, we've already had people that you know go, I can't believe I've never heard of you guys before. I'm like, what? We've been around for like <laughs> thirty years as a as a band as a whole, but more you know we're getting closer to twenty years, and it's just insane that that people are still discovering us. And I don't get upset. I'm just I'm I'm amazed and excited because there's always opportunities. So. Um, it's early days, but we're already seeing people, uh, the same thing starting to happen with the Savage Garden cover and hopefully with some of these other songs as they get a bit of a rotation, we'll, um, we'll make some new friends. Yeah, and if you haven't already, do check out the video that they did for On a Night Like This because it's bloody hilarious. I still remember <laughs> the first time I watched it and I was like, wait, this is the guy, Andy, that I'm chatting with? <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And we and we and once again, we did it as a joke. We didn't expect anything to really happen. And funnily enough, at the timeline of that, we recorded that song on an EP in 2008. Um, and it was a throwaway track. It was like a B-side for an EP. And people started to like it. And we decided to include it as a bonus track on Set in Stone, um, which was the following year. And then it wasn't until another year later after that that we actually filmed the video clip because enough people were talking about it. And we just thought, oh, let's, we've already, we've gotten to the habit of doing all these video clips. Let's do a song for Kylie. And we've got, kind of got a couple of crazy ideas. And then we didn't expect it to, it just blew up after that. And we were laughing because like this song's been out for two years. Like why are people suddenly caring now? And obviously the video clip just attracted, like people go, I've never, never heard the song before. So it's been really good. So um, not to, not to reveal too much, but um, we're, we're going to take a similar approach with Savage Garden. Um, we we've started we've started filming some stuff around Sydney. Um, we've had a, had a couple of uh, delays. We were meant to have some something out by now, but um, over the coming weeks we'll have have something out. It won't be silly um, like Kylie, but it'll be um, hopefully something clever and and kind of cool and and sort of gives a bit of a tip of the hat to 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 the guys from Savage Garden and just give that vibe and hopefully just wins over a few more people. So um, uh, Tim's probably got like going. Why are you telling people this, Andy? But um, anyway, there you go. So we're, we're filming a video. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right. So you know we've spoken enough business uh, since we've talked so much about uh, the album. Let's play a song from it, and then we can get back to chatting about the music. So, Andy, sure. which song should we play, and oh. why? Well, I think. Let's let's steer away from the novelty of pop songs for a moment, and uh, let's go with "Judas Be My Guide" by Iron Maiden. Fucking um, nice. I think, yeah, because I think I think like one thing that I have to keep reminding myself and everyone else is that we're metal we're metalheads we're we're a metal band, and there's there's no denying that, and we celebrate heavy metal as much as we can. So there's there's plenty of metal on this album as well as the the novelty of, of some cool pop songs. Um, but this track in particular is so underrated. Um, it's from one of my favourite Maiden albums, which a lot of people don't like, but it's, I think it's my second favourite after Somewhere in Time. And wow. this track is just a, it's a killer track and it's just often forgotten. It's neglected by the band themselves. And um, I just hope that we can sort of give it a boost and, um, and give it a bit more love. But I, I think we've done a pretty good job of it.
course, Andy, uh, we had to talk to you about your fabulous rendition of I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. <laughs> you surely must have fought to get that song on the CD, right? Um, Why didn't you no, make it? So, it was, it, was on the, it was on the list. I mean, I never expected to sing it. It was just crazy. Um, and I, they haven't let me back in front of a mic again to do a song on my own again. So, I don't know whether they were... Anyway, I might be taking attention, too much attention away from Tim. But... Um, the song itself, like we're all fans of the original. Um, we really, really love the song. It's a great 80s ballad. It's got that cool 80s misty vibe to it. And it's been on the list. And I think Tim actually started to work on the vocals himself. So we sort of had the music recorded and he had, it was in, intended for him to sing. And he went through a few takes and he just, he just couldn't, he, he felt that he wasn't doing it justice and it just didn't, he didn't have the right voice for it. And I don't know whether it was me that suggested it or whether he did. I can't remember. I really don't know. But um, I think we talked about actually a lot of us singing. Um, so we'd, we'd done a few demos years and years ago. Um, in fact, there is a song. I don't know where it's gone. It's so funny. I don't know where it's gone. I mean, it's a digital file it's sitting, on someone's, it's sitting on someone's computer somewhere on a hard drive. But there's our original drummer, T.Y., um, Tim Yatris. Um, we were doing some studio testing and he actually sang Rocket by Def Leppard. Wow! Just just to test like the thing and and like you, like when we listened to it, it was like oh you know it's it's really rough around the edges because we literally just went in there and just just had a go. But I think that sort of gave Tim an idea, like t- uh, LT and, and our band, an idea, thinking why do I have to be the lead singer all the time? Why can't the other guys step up? Kind of like a Kiss thing, you know, the Kiss guys every once in a while sing their own songs. Um, and we haven't quite got to that in original music, but from a cover point of view, I think this is one of the first opportunities where Tim thought, stuff it, let's just give Andy a go and see what he can do with it. And if he does it justice, then, you know, if, if it doesn't work, then we'll just we'll put it on the, on the, on the shelf and we'll, we'll come back to it another time. And, well, everyone was happy with it. So came out and now I don't think I'm a singer, but I, I think it sounds okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, you know, one of the things, I mean, you know, you're proudly an Australian band. So mm. I have to ask you, how come there's no ACDC track on there? Yeah, good or, question. Oh, yeah. Or it's like unreleased. No, no. Well, uh, or it's like we don't want to touch them. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a weird one because it'll definitely, if we were going to do ACDC, we would have to be really careful with how we did it because they are a very different style of music to us. They're, they're not slick at all. It's very, I mean, we always use the term meat and potatoes. It's very yeah. sort of simple. There's no nothing fancy about it. Um, but when things sound so simple, they also become very complicated. And the reason why they sound the way that they do is years and years of repetition. They've got unique tones, like Angus is so unique. Brian or Bon, you know, those guys just, they're so, they're very hard to emulate. Um, and we certainly wouldn't want to emulate because it, it just sounds weird, like us just playing an ACDC song and Tim trying to sing, sound like Bon Scott or Brian Johnson, it'd just be, it'd be really weird. Um, so I think if we're going to do a song from from anywhere in that back catalogue, I think just I'm, I'm really thinking on the fly here, it would have to be something from their mid to late 80s, I think, where they, they had just a little bit of an 80s vibe going in some of their tracks. It was more or less the same sort of stuff. I mean, if you're really just listening, it's like it's just ACDC from start to finish. But there was there's a little bit of nuance in the 80s there. And there's a couple of songs that have got a little bit more of a melodic chorus that's a bit removed from ACDC. And I think those would be the songs that you'd probably have to target um, 
but yeah, it's not on the cards, but, um, you know, now that you say it, you know, it's just, I mean, this is all it takes. Literally people just say, you should cover that song or you should, you should think about covering a song by that band. I mean, everyone's talking about the Wiggles at the moment because the Wiggles were higher than us on the ARIA charts. And now we're all in our Slack group chat talking about Wiggles covers. You know, it's just, it's silly. Like, I mean, whether it happens or not, it's another story, but it all comes from ideas and people just, just planting these seeds and we just take it and run with it. So Peter, never say never. Yeah. I'm telling you, I think, I've, Peter would be the happiest, right? But the Wiggles cover by Lord. Well, that's the <laughs> easiest way to get my son into metal, considering yeah. the amount of Wiggles I've heard in the last couple of years. <laughs> the, hey, the business side of me—that's a cash grab right there. That's yeah. that's a, that's a way to make some money. So maybe volume yeah. two. Move over metal lullabies. It's time for metal Wiggles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Okay, so clearly, since this one's named Undercovers Volume 1, there's bound to be a Volume 2 at some point, right? What's the plan? Um, initially, I wasn't too happy with Volume 1 being the title. I just wanted to be Undercovers because I said, we're setting ourselves up to fail. People just going to expect there's going to be more of them. And Tim's like, well, like, we've got six or seven covers that are half finished, like, already. So we've got to do something with them anyway. So and I'm like, okay, all right. And I'm glad we did because it is keeping people sort of thinking, going, oh, what's next? Um, so Tim had a little bit more forward, like, sort of foresight than I, than I did at the time. Um, but, we, yeah, we've got we've got a handful of songs that were meant to be bonus tracks on uh, Fallen Idols or we're going to release them last year with Chaos Raining and before the covers album was even a thing. Um, but we just ran out of time with studio work um we tracked some drums we did some basic sort of guitars and things like that um but then we just we just ran out of time so we just like a lot of things we've done over the years we sort of just put pack them away and then we'll come back to them when the next sessions sort of open up and we'll see whether there's an opportunity to to finish off some of these songs so there's um yeah there's a there's a, there's a few cool covers in there some uh, there's some more australian stuff in there i think for us the australian stuff's really important because um i think the next generation of music fans need to celebrate a lot of these artists. And I think a lot of these bands in Australia uh, have become like the old fogies just doing the local clubs and that's about it. And yeah. a lot of the younger generation, especially metal fans and rock fans, they kind of, they're not big fans of like the old Australian music. And I think for us, you just got to keep celebrating it. And it's a great way for us to get recognition in our own country. But um, at the same time, um, there are a lot of larger or international artists that, um, that are on our list and we've started to dabble in. So um, the list is crazy. It's like, so yeah, volume two will eventually happen. I think we'll, we'll put another proper album out beforehand uh, before volume two happens. It'll be a while down the track, but um, yeah, there'll be, there'll, there'll definitely, definitely be more. We can't help ourselves. Okay, cool. Cool. So uh, here's the final question about covers uh, as such then. Um, here in India, among the metal circles and among metal circles globally, especially when you talk to metal purists, there's always this debate about a band performing covers versus performing original music. Uh, have you faced any flack for the covers over the years? A little and bit. where do you stand uh, on that covers versus original thing? Yeah, yeah, um, a, a little bit. I mean, I think, I think even now, like with all the attention that we're getting, um, I know for a fact that there are people I know very well that won't be too impressed by this. And they'll just say, oh, the only reason they're, they're doing so well is they're just, they're just taking the easy road and just doing a bunch of covers. And, and they're kind of right in a way. Like it's, it is like it's been a really easy process to get some cover songs out there. And, and, and that's the reason why it's getting the attention that it's getting, like we mentioned earlier. Um, 
I think it all comes down to intent and the conviction behind what you decide to do. And I think if people are deliberately just doing covers with nothing else to back up um, and they're putting all their eggs into that basket, then you're only, you might win a few people over, but you're not going to hold them and keep them for a long time. And I think the thing that saves us along the way and why we can get away with recording so many covers is that, at least in my opinion, um, we can back it up with our own music. Like our own music, I think, is pretty good as well. So it sort of helps to say, like, yeah, sure. Like, I mean, take away our covers. Like, if you don't want to listen to our covers and you think our covers suck, I mean, listen to our original music. It, it, it holds up. It's not like... Like, um, I'm just trying to think of some of those one-hit wonders from the US in the 90s. Like, um, it was like Alien Ant Farm. They did that Smooth Criminal cover. And there's a few other ones, like, really sort of um, – oh, there's a band called Orgy that were, like, new metal, and they did Blue yeah. Monday or something. But you never heard, like, the rest of their, their albums. Like, maybe you might have heard another song. They maybe may have tried to back it up with another single. Um, but the rest of the songs were completely neglected. And when you listen to them, just not as much effort was put into their original music in comparison to the cover songs because that's what the labels wanted they wanted them to put all their eggs in one basket so i think it just comes down to your intention i think if it's like it's like social media and marketing if you're if you're genuine and you're authentic about what you're doing and you're kind of transparent and people understand where you're coming from then i think most people will be forgiving and want and enjoy it and understand the the reason but i think if you're trying to fabricate something and you're using that that as a a way to mask your inability to write a good original song then it's only going to last so long. And so, um, mm. so I think, I think more power to bands. Like band, I think more bands should get out there and play covers. I think on in live shows, mix it up, throw a bunch of covers in your set. It doesn't have to be just one song or, or no songs, like throw a whole bunch in there and mix it up. It's just a case of being, being clear about why you're doing what you're doing and making sure that people understand that as well. And that's, that's, that's all it takes. So yeah, quick questions outside of undercovers. Uh, Australia is one of the few places in the world where live gigs are back and a couple of days ago, I saw, you know, a band, Australian band announced, you know, Pan Australia tour. So what's the plan with Lord? Do you guys want to hit the road soon? Yeah, we, uh, yeah, the last few weeks, like the last week in, in particular has been really crazy for us. I think it's just changed everything, all the plans, because going into this year, just because everything's been so uncertain, we made the decision that we were, just weren't going to play this year. Um, just play it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll stick to recording, put this covers album out and start to record like the next album and just work behind the scenes. Um, which for me, like I wasn't entirely happy about, I'm itching to get back out, but at the same time, you don't want to risk it. Um, there's just too many variables, whether it be financial or health and, and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but yeah, like it's, it's opened back up. There's a lot of gigs that are starting to happen, tours getting announced. Um, we're really lucky in Australia. I mean, we're not, we haven't got vaccines yet, which is, won't get into that. That's a crazy sort of yeah. <laughs> government, government sub uh, politics. But um, but apart from that, um, you know, we've more or less got a normal life here, and and we're so lucky in comparison to other parts of the world. I'm sure you guys just have been going through absolute hell over there with with a lot of the stuff happening. So um, I think just in the last week, and in particular the last few days um, of the success that we've had with Undercovers, we're now thinking, okay, well can we do something? And if we technically can, then when can we do it? So um, nothing's, nothing's been decided yet. So I'd, I'd probably be in a lot of trouble if I start saying, yeah, we're going to go back out and play some shows. But it, we're actually talking about it in a constructive way now where it could be a possibility sometime this year. Um, it'll be just in Australia. 
Um, they just opened up a, a travel bubble with us in New Zealand. But I okay. think it's a bit weird because at any time there could be an outbreak and then you just get cut off and you're either stuck yeah. in New Zealand or you have to quarantine and it's, it's a lot of money. So um, I think for us, if we do tour, it'll be in Australia and we'll try to make the most of getting around our country um, and then just wait for the rest of the world to slowly open back up again. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, for me personally, I've, I've, I mean, we haven't played since July 2019 um, and it was only about a, uh, two weeks ago that the three of us, Mark, Tim and I, were standing together in the same room looking at each other and it was the first time we'd seen each other since that last show on the, on the, in July of 2019, um, it was just really weird. And so for me personally, I just want to, I want to get back with that feeling of playing on stage with them, um, interacting with people, playing the songs, all that sort of stuff. So we'll, we'll see, but, um, I think doing this stuff and the, and the, the release, the undercovers release has been a really good way to keep me sane because I've got things to yeah. do. I can keep busy and keep doing band stuff. I'm not just sort of sitting here looking at a wall going, Oh, when can I be a musician? <laughs> I can, I can do something. So, We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully later this year. All right. Now, I only know of this because you tweeted at me and you said that this was only exclusive to your Patreon. So I'm going to put you on the spot here and maybe take a sip of water, clear up your throat. So you know what's coming <laughs> next. <laughs> so you, you did an acapella version of the Savage Garden track, I Want You. Do you want to give it another stab for our listeners? Or... Oh. Or maybe another song of your choice. Come on. Maybe uh, which one did you sing? <laughs> Peter, you got, you got me all embarrassed now. <laughs> I think. Um, or, or maybe just come on. Look, I just died in your arms. I won't. Usually what I do is that I, I get the karaoke tracks off YouTube and I'll just sing the karaoke tracks. But just to give some context. Guilty as fuck. Yeah, I've done the same thing so many times. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I've got, I've got a Patreon for my podcast and so I have a bunch of people that support me on there. It's, it's fantastic. And one of the things I do just for like an absolute joke, it's just a bit of fun, is I do a weekly podcast and it goes for about an hour and I talk about what's going on in my life, some band-related stuff, some podcast-related stuff. I find weird stories on the internet. I tell a story. Um, I've got this fascination with weird sort of um, like planes and vehicles from yeah. all all over the, all over the sort of the world over the, over the past several decades, I call it planes, trains, and Andy mobiles. Um, and then I've got all these old TV commercials from like the eighties and the nineties that I put in like segments. So it's almost like you're listening to a TV program. Um, but at the beginning and the end, I've got to I've got to I've got to introduce the show. So I usually come in with a song. It's mm. kind of like the old variety shows where there's some, someone come out and start singing before the show starts. Well, I do that with karaoke. So I pick, pick a karaoke track at the start and I do one at the end. And that particular one, Peter, was, uh, yes, um, uh, Saturday Garden. And, uh, and I deliberately, look, oh, it's going to sound so stupid. I deliberately sing it in a particular way that's amusing. So, I mean, people might go, yeah, right. Like that's your, that's your real singing voice. But trust me, I think I can sing a little bit better than what I do on the karaoke tracks. But um, I try to do a very Aussie, Ocker, horrible sort of uh, karaoke version. And it's a lot of fun. So actually, um, a good thing to plug is that every once in a while, I'll make one of those Patreon episodes public on my Andy social feed, just so people can get a taste of what it's all about. And I did that today. So today's episode um, of Patreon, I just decided to make it public for everybody. And I decided to pick two covers from our covers album. 
um, and I did uh, Send Me an Angel by Real Life and I did On a Night Like This by Colleen Minogue um, at the beginning and the end. So if you want to hear another version again of those covers, can't probably <laughs> good, but if you want to hear another version, then uh, you can listen to that Patreon episode. It's episode 50 on my Andy Social podcast and um, good luck to you. <laughs> something more to look forward to lord andy you don't ever stop giving yeah. <laughs> Every, everything i do honestly is is for my own amusement um you know even even in the band and having fun playing music i i get such a rush and, and personal satisfaction and i love connecting with people that's why i do the podcast that's why I love doing these things with you guys and, and having having a chat and just discussing lots of different things. I love the interaction with people and uh, any excuse to be a fool and to to crack a joke and be silly and stupid. I'm I'm there. I don't I don't mind. I just love it. It's just so much fun. So um, and you see that's true all the band stuff that we do as well. Like I think I said to you guys more more than like I said to you guys last time. Like we take our music really seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. So mm-hmm. we can we can be absolute goofballs, but we know the music can talk for itself and we can still act, act, act up and be silly. So um, just makes it really fun. Fantastic. On that awesome. note, congratulations once again to Lord and to Andy Dowling. This has been a great chat. You want to yeah. quickly, you want to quickly just summarize where all this content resides on the internet and where people can listen to more of this if need be, if they really like it, which I'm sure they would yeah. have. And more of you also. <laughs> <Or me. laughs> um. Okay, so I think for undercovers, um, you can go to, we can go to our main website, which is lord.net.au. Um, if you're on Bandcamp, you can just go lordofficial.bandcamp.com. Uh, if you just want to get a taste and you're not quite convinced yet, then you can just search for Lord Undercovers on Spotify and Apple Music and you'll find all the tracks there and you can have a listen to the ones that are available on, on the streaming platforms. Um, and from there, you'll see our whole back catalogue. You'll see everything we put out over the years. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to discover um, and then for me, I've got I've got the really wanky website, andydowling.net. It's like just look at this guy, egomaniac, and he's got his own website. Um, but there you can access Lord, you can access the Andy Social podcast and some of the other podcasts that I've done over the years as well. Um, and just a, it's a good way to to dig into my world and see what I get up to. And yeah, hope people hope people like it. And um, and as we said before, with like social media and stuff, I sometimes I feel that I live on it. I feel like I'm always <laughs> on it. Um, but I'm very easy to get a hold of. So if anyone ever wants to reach out and say hello, by all means, uh, shoot me a message on pretty much any platform on the internet. I'm somewhere. I'm 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 pretty much everywhere. I feel like I am anyway. Even TikTok. Oh, sorry, not TikTok. Oh, not TikTok. <laughs> yeah. As yet, as yet. If you had to choose a song to cover, which one would you pick? That's our question of the week. Send in your answers to hauntsuppod.com or on Twitter at hauntsuppod or just tell us directly where all yours. I'm Adas Bhavani on Twitter. I'm at Trent Crusher. And this was Hauntsupp. Hauntsupp. Hauntsupp.